They might get hurt this morning. Amen? I'm fired up to be in God's house this morning. How about y'all? All right. If you have your Bibles, would you please open them to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. So let me give you the background here. If you remember, uh, over the past couple of months, I've preached out of the book of Daniel. We saw how Daniel was a young man distinguished among uh, his Jewish brethren and there was a wicked king named Nebuchadnezzar who came from Babylon who basically besieged Israel and Judah and took some people back with him to Babylon, took them captive in order to try to convert God's people to the ways of the world to destroy the reputation of God. And um, over this course of years, he tried to indoctrinate God's people through education and all of the other things we saw. If you go and read um, throughout the chapters of Daniel, you'll see a pattern, which we'll see here today as well, how wickedness or ungodly people inevitably persecuted God's people, people who lived and took a stand for God's word. But God also ultimately delivers them, gives them the victory. We see that throughout chapter 1, 2, and 3. And now we come to chapter 6. Now, I want to point out that from chapter 1 now to chapter 6, it's been nearly 70 years. Daniel's no longer a young man. Daniel's Well into his 80s. So I want you to understand that's like Brother Don here. And God can even use someone that old. Can you believe that? That's a miracle right there. Amen. Daniel is no longer a young man. Daniel's, we believe, to be well into his 80s. And he's lived a life as a servant and a mighty warrior for God. No matter what age he was, he never stopped. Living for God. There was no retirement set in mind for him that he thought, well, once I get to a certain age, then I'll back away and I'll let the younger generation take and run with it. No, he trained the younger generation, but until the day he died, you'll see that Daniel was a mighty warrior for God's cause. Amen. If Daniel can be used by God, so can you and I. Amen. Now, in verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius... To set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these, and over them were three governors of whom Daniel was one. That the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the other governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. Now, the Babylonian Empire has been done away with, taken over by the Medo-Persian Empire. And they set up a new king in this territory over the land of Babylon. His name was Darius. And just like a good administrator or a good leader would, he sets his government in place. Okay? Now, there was 120 provinces in that territory, so he sets up... What we would like to refer to today, they call them satraps or sastraps. 
in the Bible, it's, it's kind of like a uh, mayor of a town. And then over the mayors of the town or the satraps, he sets up the governors. And of the governors, one of these was Daniel. Now, Daniel was already kind of in this position throughout King Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar's reign under the Babylonian Empire. Now, Daniel had been in public service. Daniel was part of the government for over 50 years at this time, which brings me to my first point. And I want to hit this for you. Don't miss this. The first truth that we can pull out of this scripture is that God's people need to be involved in government. Now, I've said this before, but I want you to understand that this isn't just me or, or, or uh, my way of thinking, but this comes straight from scripture. And I want to also point out that you don't have to be, you don't have to sell everything you own Go to a foreign land and become a missionary. You don't have to be a pastor for God to use you. He can use you in your place of business. He can use you where you're at. He use you wherever God has placed you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you in it. Amen? Daniel was a part of the government. God's people need to be involved in government. In Romans chapter 13... It says that God established government for one reason. They have one job. To punish evil and reward good. To punish evil and reward good. That is what government is for. So I want you to think about that. If you set the wicked up or the evil in rule, in rule how are they going, how are evil people going to punish evil and reward good? What they do is they They do it backwards, amen? The Bible actually says towards the latter days people will call evil good and good evil, do they not? We're seeing that played out in our history as we speak. Number one and two, it says, Proverbs 29, 2 says, when the righteous are in authority or rule, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in rule, the people rejoice. Mourn. We live sadly in a place in history of the United States of America that we've never seen before. Where God's people have stepped, for the majority, God's people have stepped out of government. We've, we've, we've gotten out and we've sat back and been silent too long. We don't, we don't vote for, for right, for the righteous. We act like we have this, um, state of mind that, well, you know, the Bible says it's just going to steadily get worse and worse until Jesus comes back. So what we do is we just step out of the way and uh, allow it to just run rampant and just hope and pray that one day Jesus returns in our lifetimes. But what if he doesn't return in our lifetime? I mean, I know he's going to return and the Bible says we don't know the day or the hour and I hope he can pray he comes back tomorrow. But I have children in this world. I have children here that are going to go on for generations if the Lord tarries. Because I want you to understand, he says he wishes that none should perish. And there's a lot of people, if they died, if he came back today and he was to judge them, there's going to be a lot of perish, a lot of people who perish and end up in eternity in hell. And so I want you to understand that, that it's not just about us. It's about the generations to come. And we're supposed to make this place impact 
this place for the kingdom of God. Amen? God's people need to be involved in human government. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says in verse 11 through 14 that God's people should aspire to lead a quiet life minding their own business working with their own hands many people don't do that amen as we have commanded you that you may walk properly towards those who are on the outside that you may lack nothing and that's exactly what Daniel did Daniel had a job Daniel did the best that he could do with the situation at hand. Daniel worked hard. It says Daniel distinguished himself among all the other people in government. Okay? Daniel did a good job. Daniel was promoted because of the type of work and the lifestyle that he lived. You know, it says here that Daniel had an excellent spirit within him. Now, I don't believe that this just is speaking that Daniel was super spiritual and Daniel was speaking Scripture everywhere he went. I believe that people enjoyed being around Daniel. You see, he was under four different kings and influenced every one of them because he was a good worker. He did what they asked. He did a good job. He was honest. He was loving. He cared about people. He cared about his community. The other ones looked up to him. People knew that Daniel was honest in the business deals that he had dealt with. That Daniel was going to do a good job. Daniel was the man that you could call on at any time of the day. Hey, I need this. Daniel was going to be that man. He was going to do that. That's the type of lifestyle that Daniel lived. And as Christians who live just like Daniel did in a foreign land, we should strive to live our lives this way as well. The Bible actually says in Colossians 3, or Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24, whatever you do, speaking to Christians, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. See, many of us could have been like, man... Daniel could have been like, this government, they're, they're all pagans, they're wicked. I'm in a foreign land, I'm away from my people. Daniel didn't even have a church to go to in our language. Daniel could have been like, man, they're not paying me enough. I mean, I've served for 50 years and I hadn't got a raise once. I should be retired by now, where's my 401k? Where's my company benefits? They done threw his co-workers and his friends in a fire. I mean, they persecuted Daniel for 50 years. And he continued to work as what? As he worked unto the Lord because he knew that people were going to be watching the way he lived. Daniel did a good job. Daniel knew the scripture. The scripture goes on to say, work as you work For the Lord, not unto human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Everything that we do as Christians should glorify God. Whether we eat, 
Whatever we drink, how we work, how we live our lives should glorify and honor God. Now, we're not talking about for salvation, but it's, it's people are watching and looking and searching for truth. They should see that in us. They shouldn't see someone who comes to one place like a church building, dresses up all nice and acts like they got it all together, and then out in a secular world we look just like the rest of the world. Daniel distinguished himself above everybody else. He was set apart. Now, he worked in a secular environment. Daniel was among secular people. Daniel went to work. He worked hard. He did all of these things just like what many of us have to face today. But yet Daniel's life was set completely apart from everyone else. And God blessed him for it. Daniel had a good reputation. Daniel had an excellent spirit. So the king, this new king, it didn't take long for him to recognize Daniel's hard work. And so he sets him up as a governor as well, and he wants to promote him over the whole territory. He's blessed in his job. He's blessed in his life for doing hard work. Now, which brings me about to another truth that we can pull out of this, is that when you strive to live this way, as Daniel did, when you speak truth, when you love others, when you live by God's word, persecution is inevitable. Persecution is inevitable. Once you look in the scripture here, in verse 4, it says, So, because Daniel was getting promoted, because Daniel lived set apart, he wasn't part... Now, he worked in a secular environment, but he didn't involve himself in what everyone else was doing. Daniel was honest. Many of politicians are not so honest. Amen? He probably didn't go to the same parties. He probably didn't go to the company parties where they were promoting alcohol and women and all of these things like we see today. This was happening back then. Daniel didn't involve himself in that. He just went to work. He did what they asked. He lived for God. He loved people. But he didn't involve himself. This was modeling life of the way Jesus lived. Amen? So that brings us to that persecution word again. We haven't faced so much of that in what we have experienced here in the United States of America, and it's mainly due to the Christian influence in this country. But sadly, we see that slowly fading away. And it seems like that's going to be inevitable in this country as well. It's already happening. We see that. Now, I want you to look at what takes place here in chapter 6, verse 4. It says, So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. See, they were jealous. They didn't like that Daniel had peace. They didn't like that Daniel was prospering. They didn't like that Daniel had a good family because their lives were chaos. They didn't make sense to them. So what do they do? The jealousy and rage, and they wanted to destroy Daniel's reputation. And I want to point out that here, I want you to notice who's doing the persecution Government officials. The government's the one that's going to persecute the godly. We see that playing out of the United States of America today. So these government officials, whom Daniel was a part of, 
They are going to try to find some dirt on Daniel. It says they want to find some kind of charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in Daniel. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. And I want to ask you this question. If the government, with all of the technology, all of the money, the resources that they have, if they were to send out the private investigators and they were to interview all of your co-workers, all of your friends, all of your family members, they were to go through your social media accounts, they were to look into your phones, they were going on your computers at work, and they were trying to find some sort of dirt on you to destroy your reputation as a Christian. Say, look, we want people to see that who you say you are is not really who you are. That's not how you live. We're going to find something on you. What would they find? For Daniel, they found absolutely nothing. Now, 50 years, he's been a public servant. No scandalous business deals. No fraudulent accounts. No money coming up missing. Nothing. Daniel had lived a life obedient to God. Now, this doesn't mean that Daniel was sinless. We know that no man has ever been sinless, lived a life of sinlessness except Jesus Christ. Daniel wasn't perfect, but in his regard of the way he lived his life, how he served his country, how he obeyed under the king and the job that he did, he was blameless. We as Christians should be living and molding our lives off of these examples and in the same way. Now, that's a high bar to set. When they look back in my life, sadly, I would be afraid of what they might find. Amen? But for Daniel, they found nothing. And so that that brings me to the truth that it is possible for God's people to live, like he says, holy and blameless in the sight of the Lord. That doesn't mean that we're sinless. Daniel, I'm sure, stumped his toe and said a bad word every once in a while like some of us have done. But Daniel was a man of integrity. Daniel was honest. Read 2 Timothy. Read Titus. Daniel was this type of man. Daniel molded his life from God's word. Now, Daniel finds himself being a a godly man, doing his job, being obedient to the Lord. He finds himself being persecuted and accused among the wicked and the ungodly. And it was the government officials that were doing it, but because they could not find any charge or account on Daniel, they were going to have to make something up. They were trying to think, so they, the census had came back. I'm sure they had sent people to try to bribe Daniel. They had probably interviewed, and everything came back. We have nothing against him, nothing against him, except one thing. Daniel is always obedient to God. So what we, if we're going to trap him, if we're going to find some charge against him, it's going to have to be the way he lives his life, obedient to God, because he's going to be obedient to God before he's obedient 
to the government or to the king. That's how we'll trap him. So you'll read on in the scripture. It says, so the governors and the satraps in verse 6 thrown before the king and they said to him, O King Darius, live forever. They're flattering him. Right? All of the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and the satraps and the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute or a law to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now I want you to, I want you to think about that for a minute. They couldn't find anything on Daniel except that he was obedient to his God. The one and only true living God. And so they, what they do is they're going to set a trap. They're going to make a new law, which they lied about because they said everybody was unified on this law, which is what they're doing today, by the way. And they didn't consult Daniel, obviously, in this, and he was one of the governors. Not everyone in government was wicked. Daniel was one of them, and he was a godly man. So don't think I'm painting that picture. But I want you to understand that they're going to pass a new law. We're going to trap him. He lives upright. He's honest. He's a man of integrity. He loves the people. He serves his country. How can we get him? How can we get him out of this government? Because he's in opposition to the things that we want to set in place. He's in opposition to our lifestyle. They probably were convicted about the way they lived around Daniel. Are the wicked convicted about their lifestyle when they're around you because they see the way you live is totally opposite from them? This is the way Daniel lived. So they set this new law in place. For 30 days, you can't pray. That's how we'll trap Daniel. Now, you'll go on to read, and we'll get to that in a minute. Daniel prayed three times a day, and he would open up his windows onto Jerusalem. So they knew this. Daniel was doing what he had always done, being obedient, serving the Lord. And they said, we can, we're going to trap him in that. We'll make it illegal now. He must have had some kind of freedom and right to do that before this decree. So the governing officials, they, they get together and they make a law. For 30 days, it's going to be illegal to petition any god. You can't pray. You can't worship. You can't do these things. If you're going to do that, you have to worship King Darius. You have to pray to King Darius. Now, it's only for 30 days. Daniel's response is going to shock many of us. But I imagine he had some options here. I mean, I think about what if that happened to us? I mean, here in the United States of America, we live in a place where we have a government. What's the saying? Of the people, by the people, and for the people. But what happens when it's no longer the case? What happens when it's no longer for the people? That's what Daniel faced. Daniel was faced against a a government who was against godly people. We're facing that today in the United States of America. So Daniel had an option. I mean, after all, Daniel 
although it hadn't been written, we could say Daniel probably knew, like Romans 13, that we should obey the governing authorities. And we should, to to a point. But Daniel had options. He probably could have said, and might have been some of the response of Christian people today, if they passed a law that says, hey, you can no longer pray or go to church for just 30 days. I remember just a few short years ago how they said, they created a pandemic and said, we, you can't get together. Some states said you can't even sing or pray, right? And so Daniel was faced with this. I want you to notice Daniel's response could have been like, I think the majority of Christians fall under. It's just 30 days. I mean, after all, we'll lay low. Right? I mean, my faith is a personal matter. Right? God knows my heart. I mean, we hear that every day. I mean, it's really not anybody else's business. So I'll go home in private and I'll still pray and nobody will know. It's between me and God. So that law really doesn't affect me. I mean, I'll keep quiet for 30 days. And after the 30 days, I mean, because after all... I mean, there's going to be penalties to pay. I might lose my job. In Daniel's case, he might lose his life. If I if I speak out and I pray and I defy what the law says, well, I'm not being a good citizen of the United States of America or good citizen of the Medo-Persian Empire, Daniel could have said. I'm not being obedient to the king and I'm supposed to obey what he told me to do, right? I'm supposed to comply. That could have been his... Option, he could have just laid low for 30 days. End of story. Right? But Daniel chapter 6 doesn't say that. Or he could have been like some of our responses. Don't you dare try to take away my freedom. And bought more guns. Went home and stored up and stocked up all kinds of food. Which is probably a pretty good idea. My way of thinking. But that wasn't Daniel's response. He didn't pray more. He didn't go and riot the king and stand outside of the palace and and have signs up and protest it? He didn't get all his buddies to do that and protest the law? What did Daniel do? Look in verse 10. So when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. See, Daniel was already doing this. Daniel just lived his life. He said, I'm not going to let the culture, I'm not going to let the government, I'm not going to let any law or anything else that they pass affect my obedience to God. I'm just going to do what I've always done. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to worship him. And I'm going to glorify him no matter the cost. That's what Daniel did. That was his response. That's one truth that we should pull out of this as United States of American citizens and as Christians. No matter where our culture goes, no matter what they say, no matter what laws they pass, we ought to obey God rather than man. That's exactly what the apostles and Peter said when they arrested them for preaching the name of Jesus, said, we don't want you preaching that name no more. Peter went, stood up and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. You know, 
I want you to understand, Romans chapter 13 was written by the Apostle Paul who was actually executed by the Roman, Roman government, by the authorities. He was in opposition to them most of his life, yet he wrote, wrote them kind of things. Does that make sense to y'all? Everybody's awful quiet. Which brings me to my next point. I want to get out here and I'll, for time's sake, I'll jump down and skip a few verses. So most of you know the story. So they, Daniel goes and he's caught being obedient to God. He defied the law. He didn't do it privately. He didn't do it. In their face, he just was obedient to God. He lived his life, and he was met with the persecution. He was caught. He broke the law, and now he's going to have to face the consequences. Now, we all know the story. The king, King Darius, he must have been impacted by the way Daniel lived. Remember, he wanted to set Daniel up over all of the rest because Daniel was his best employee. Maybe even his friend at that time because the king couldn't change the law. He had to punish Daniel for what he had done. He's going to throw him in the lion's den. He rolls the stone over the, over the den, throws him in there. We all know the story. But it says something interesting about King Darius. In verse 18 it says, Now when the king went to his place and spent the night fasting, there again, this is a pagan king at this point. He spends the night fasting, no musicians. See, they didn't have fans and all that where you turn on, you hear that and it helps you sleep. They had people playing music. That makes sense to you? None of that was brought before him. It says, also his sleep went from him. And then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice, Daniel, is it true? He said, has God really delivered you? Is your God real? Because I've never seen power like that in my life. This is a pagan king. He'd never seen somebody delivered like that. He must have heard the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they threw them in the fire and how the living God delivered them out of the fire. He must have heard all of these from Daniel. And he wanted to know, is it true? Can God really deliver you? He didn't even sleep. He wanted to know. No, it's a wicked pagan king, an unbeliever. And he was watching the life of a godly man who was obedient to his God. Is he going to really deliver you? And the cool part is, you'll see here in verse 21, it says, Then Daniel said, Now maybe he paused for a minute just to get a rise out of him. I don't know. But he says, O King Darius, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions. Now, What's amazing here is when this type of thing happened previously, there was one in the fire with the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and even the pagans said 
He looks like the one who is the Son of God. Now, this doesn't tell us specifically, but the Bible does tell us that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I like to believe that this is Jesus in this. Taking Daniel's place. Taking his place in death. Deserving of death. He takes his place and he delivers him. It wasn't Daniel delivering himself. It was Christ stepping in Daniel's place and delivering him. That's the victory here. Don't miss that. But I want you to I want you I want to point this out again. God sent his angels, shut the mouth of the lions, and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. There's only one way that people are found innocent, and that is through the blood shed out on the cross for you, because it says that God then imputes Christ's righteousness on our behalf, and we're found innocent and blameless in his sight. That's how death can't hold us. Death couldn't hold Daniel. Death couldn't hold Christ. He can't, it cannot hold us if we have faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen? But I want you to understand, too, that Daniel was found innocent, although he disobeyed the governing authorities. There comes a point, maybe even here in the United States of America, where Christians have to draw the line and stand for truth no matter what anybody else says, no matter the consequences. Because here's the hard truth. Daniel was delivered. Daniel was raised out of that den of lions, unharmed. And he went on to influence generations to come. Not only a wicked king, because you'll see that King Darius, after this, glorifies God. He writes a decree after that that sounds like a godly man that wrote it. And he says that God, Daniel's God, Jehovah, is the only one true God. A pagan king sees the glory of God in one godly man who took a stand. And he then glorifies it, which changes the whole direction of a nation. Amen? It says, Daniel then prospered in the reign of King Darius and Cyrus. Daniel prospered till the end of his days. Because God delivered him and God blessed him for taking a stand. But here's the hard truth. We don't always see this kind of deliverance here and now on this earth. I mean, Daniel was raised out of the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was brought out of the fire. We see these kind of stories, but truth is, Peter, who loved Jesus, who followed him, was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded by the government. All of the apostles except one suffered horrific deaths. They wasn't all delivered. But, I want you to grasp a hold to this. In Philippians 1 verse 21, the Apostle Paul, who was beheaded for his faith in Jesus, wrote, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul knew that for a believer, 
either whether it's here or after, we will ultimately be delivered because of the work of the cross. What Jesus has done for us. Amen. We have nothing to fear. Daniel, he didn't go against what the king had told him to do. As far as this punishment, he didn't try to fight it. He took it as this is God's will for my life. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, my God is able to deliver me. But if he don't, either way, we're not going to bend. We're not going to bow. We're going to serve him and be faithful because in the end, we are all going to be delivered. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? You know, there's a common theme that I mentioned throughout the book of Daniel and, and ultimately throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. It, didn't t- it doesn't take a lot of people to make a difference. It took one, one, one godly person, man or woman, to take a stand for God's Word. God honored them, protected them. The testimony of God's works made the ungodly see the glory of God and then testify. That's why we are still here. That's why we live for Him. Amen? People are watching you. One pastor said, I'm not going to take credit for this, but one pastor said the most important thing about this story or chapter 6 and Daniel, this is what I want you to grasp before we leave. He says, if I was to sum it all up, the story that we just read, I'll read you what he wrote. He said, it was a man who was without blame. Faithful to God in all of his ways. A man given to prayer who was sent to his death because of the jealousy of those who wanted to prevent his exaltation. He was condemned to death by the plotting of his enemies and by the law of the land. He was thrown into a stone room that was meant to be his tomb. A stone was rolled over the opening. A seal was set over the stone. But in all of its power, death could not touch him. And when morning came, the stone was rolled away and he came out victorious. He glorified God. The pagans honored God and his enemies were judged. That was chapter 6. Now, who is that? That's pointing to our Lord and Savior, Jesus. That's what Scripture is supposed to do, point us to Jesus. Amen? And I pray that if you get anything out of this message is that Christ loves you. He died for you. He wants victory in your life. All we should be able, we shouldn't, there should be nothing that stops us from living for him and glorifying his name. Amen. Lord, I love you and I praise you. I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word and how great it is, Lord. I pray that we honor you, that we focus on you each day. God, I thank you for these stories and examples, Lord, these things in history, how men stood for your truth, Lord. I pray that we have that courage, God, that we, people see us, that an excellent spirit is in us, and that is the spirit of Christ. That's you in us, Lord. I pray that as we go out throughout our work week, Lord, and in our lives with our families, that we are the husbands, the mothers that we are called to be. God, I pray that you empower us to stand for your word, for your truth, that we get involved in the things of this world to impact your kingdom. God, I love you. I praise you. I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that 
that they come to know you today, Lord. They give their life to you. They trust in you, Lord, and you'd save them. In Jesus' name, amen.